Hello, and welcome to Regrets I've Had a Few. I'm Paul Hunter, Artistic Director of Told by an Idiot, and this is a podcast where I talk to friends and colleagues delving into what made them the person they are today. Hello and welcome, and this afternoon I'm joined by uh, a wonderful, unique clown and performer, uh, all the way and direct from Bilbao in the Basque Country, Aitor Basari. Aitor, welcome. Hello, Paul. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. It's very nice to see you. I should explain to the listeners that we haven't seen each other uh, since, uh, well, over a year, um, since all this terrible thing has happened. But I, I, before we started, you were talking about a regime and how the pandemic has affected your physique. Would you mind sharing with the listeners the regime that you're currently on? Well, and is it working? <clears throat> My regime at the moment is... <clears throat> The pandemic is making me staying at home quite a lot. So, um, as as um, I don't know why I love wine. Don't, can't explain why I like it, <laughs> but I do. So, um, because in in the past months of the of the pandemic of the lockdown, I kind of did use wine quite a lot. I I decided uh, after as a, as a New Year's uh, resolution that I was only going to drink wine from one o'clock in the afternoon until three (laughs) o'clock, which covers a little bit (laughs) that beautiful moment of the aperitif, that moment before lunch, and then during lunch, and I could afford to have an extra glass of wine with my dessert. So that's, that's, that's what I'm trying, only to drink from one to three. And how is this affecting your physique? Your physique. Well, it's making me less fat. <laughs> I'm glad. Also, I you've told me before, yeah. which this also must help with your physique, where you live has an extraordinary coastline. I've obviously been there and seen you many times. Yeah. But you've been surfing. How is the surf surfing going? Well, when the when the 15th of March lockdown in Spain happened, because we started the lockdown on the 15th of March, and it was the same day as I had to go back to London to carry on teaching a workshop that we were doing in at um, Toynbee Studios. Toynbee Studios, and I decided I was going to try to be a professional surfer. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got I got my board, and since then, I've been consistently going every day surfing. Very good. Now, if I drink, my belly gets a little bit bigger <laughs> so when i tried to stand up on the board today i had a i had a difficult day because the waves were like uh, a meter and a half and i fell so many times but is it so many times but it's not your regime of the 12 to 3 drinking is not helping the surfing or? it's not helping at all it's not helping <laughs> i should not drink anything i should have i should have like a problem <laughs> but but you know is far too many hours with my own and in my own brain, and kind of um, alcohol. Alcohol very often helps me to to deal with myself in a more positive way. But also, you have alcohol and you have the ocean, both of which must be things that stimulate in some way. I mean, this morning I woke up at six thirty. It was dark. I took my car with my board, and I was on the cliffs watching the surf exactly at 7.50 in the morning. 
And it was something like four degrees. That shows commitment. Uh, oh, my God. I can say this for, as one middle-aged man to another middle-aged man. <laughs> I had a similar thing uh, during lockdown with, with, te with tennis because I love tennis. And yeah, I, yeah, of I, course. So I kept, I, I kept playing sort of three times a week in the hope that I would be able to maybe get onto the seniors tour. Nice. You know, in some shape or form. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. You know? And how did it go? Well, I can't play at the moment, but my game has improved. <laughs> definitely improved. Like, <laughs> through practice. Now, Ito, I want to take you back, if I may, yeah. to uh, your your childhood. And uh, where, remind me again, and the listeners, you're, you're near Bilbao. Where, where were you born? I was born in a, a small town, and probably for the listeners will be like a suburb, north of Bilbao. Uh, 12 kilometers north of Bilbao, called Ghecho, in uh, in one of the neighborhoods, and the neighborhood is called Romo. And um, I lived here until I was 20 years old. Do you remember the first performance of any kind that you did? Yes, I do. I'm going to try to make this story not very long. <laughs> and I'm going to try to <laughs> to use my best English accent, so all the English listeners can understand what I am talking about. Now, uh, my parents, when I was a kid, they did a kind of like um, a comuna, if you will, like a hippie comuna, but instead of being hippies, they were uh, left-wing Catholic. Uh, so they all decided to live together and... Uh, and uh, with their kids, they were uh, around like, I don't know, 20 couples and some some of the people that were in the part of the communa, they were at the time studying pedagogy and psychology and things like that. And one, one of them, one day, wrote a play. Wrote a play called The Ball of Fire. As it happened, I was the oldest child in all the communa so I was awarded the main character in the show. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but, I w but it was the story of this boy that is walking on the streets and then hits a ball, and that ball gets on fire, and then magic, thing magic things happen. And I remember we rehearsed the play with him, and we learned the lines and everything. And that was my first performance. Wow. The ball of fire. Sounds like something that could be in a, in a spy monkey show know. in a very different form. <laughs> yes. We'll come to sp we'll come to spy monkey spy monkey later, but the, but when did you first feel that performing was what you wanted to do? Well, I. I felt. Uh, these silences are terrible for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I was trying to think. <laughs> I was only... Uh, it's only... It's, it's because with all the situation that we are living, there is lots of time to think. Mm. And recently I just thought about that. And uh, it has never been an epiphany. I never had an epiphany. Okay. I wanted to, to be an actor. I started to, to play in a theatre because... Uh, my friends were doing it, so I said, okay, I, I'll do it too. 
Yeah. I'm sure I'm, I will, I'll be terrible. And uh, I kept doing it and doing it and doing it until one point where I was studying philosophy in the university and I was all the time doing theater and my parents confront me and said, what are you doing? <laughs> do you, why are you studying philosophy if you are just doing theater? Why don't you just do theater? And uh, I say, okay. And I remember, the only thing that I remember if I will have to put my finger in a, in one moment where I said, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do the rest of my life is, I went to do an audition to Seville at the Centro Andaluz de Teatro. And um, we auditioned for two weeks and I had so much fun. I did, had so much fun. And I remember I went back from Seville, which is in the south of Spain, to Bilbao in the north. And I was waiting for the phone call to find out if they have taken me in the school. And suddenly, I remember how they I, I say, you are in. And I thought, yes, I've got to be an actor. Ah, how old were you then? I was around 22, 20, 21, 20, 20. I was 20. And you mentioned studying philosophy. Do, do you have any reg any regrets about not pursuing that further or or not yes all i it's it's one of the biggest mistakes of my life <laughs> not have uh finished my my degree you could always go back i could go back but um yes but uh yeah i don't uh, <laughs> yeah when i studied philosophy the only thing i did was flirt with beautiful ladies in the school. Uh, I smoke lots of dope and I watch lots of movies in the, um, they have they have like a, a movie club in the university and I will go and see all Stanley Kubrick, all Chaplin, all, um, uh, all these directors and I loved it. It was so brilliant to see movies in black and white in the morning yeah and and it sounds like a brilliant uh time of studying there the combination it, it of all was, those things it was such a strange time because the kind of let's let's call it the not the industrial revolution but they were kind of uh, reshaping bilbao to what it is now so with the guggenheim museum and all these things and uh, i was studying in my university was in front of where now is the guggenheim museum but it wasn't there and the workers of Bilbao, the industry, were fighting against the police in front of our university every single morning. You know, imagine all these workers in Liverpool or in Manchester fighting the police, you know, the miners, exactly the same thing in Bilbao. And we will, we all these stupid students will sit in the gardens seeing how people throw in with um, uh, uh, fireworks and cocktails Molotov and the police attacking. And, I was uh, 18 year old, 19 years old, and I was thinking, oh my God, this is the best time ever. Wow. Now you talk, you talk about going to Seville to study. When you were at that uh, uh, theatre school, did, is that where you discovered clown and, or was it more traditional school? Well, I discovered clown with Cesar, Cesar Saracu. Cesar for, for, from Street of Cocodriles and Complicity, Cesar. <laughs> Um, because he came from Paris 
and the company of theater I was working with in in Getcho um, offered him to give us a workshop. And while I was never the most talented actor in the company, suddenly in that workshop, I was the best. I could not, I could not believe it. <laughs> it was like <laughs> I could do no wrong. I thought, what's going on here? And and you know, in this process of becoming. So was that sorry. So, sorry, Arthur. So was that your moment of epiphany? I, I discovered something there, but but there was there was a moment before where where I thought because I, I always tell this story, which is which is that I was like the bad actor in the company, and that we were doing a, a a play called well we were doing Electra Sophocles Electra, and I was playing a part, and I was really bad, not because I say so, it's because my mom will tell me, I thought you are not very good in that show. Um, <laughs> The, the woman, the woman that now is my wife and was my girlfriend at the time, will tell me, "I thought you are not very good in that show." Many people will say, and I remember, I, I and I spoke to the director and I say, "Look, everybody tells me I am bad," and the director told me, "No, no, no, don't worry, it's all good, it's all good." I say, "Okay," uh, and and the things got so bad in the sense of that the, the response I was getting to the audience and my feelings and the learning process. I thought. I don't care, you know, I'm going to be a bad actor. I don't care. I will be the bad actor because there has to be bad actors so the good ones look better. <laughs> so I kind of took that decision where I said, I'm just going to have fun. And then things started to work a little bit better. And I and probably suddenly that kind of, of abandon or this thing that I said, of, I don't care, it got kind of represented it, it took shape in the clown workshop. Ah, yes, and and suddenly, and suddenly you were liberated. I was certainly. I I understood that suddenly, there were many other ways of talking about what we do than the one that I have been using up until that moment. It's interesting, isn't it? Those points when you discover something like that. I had a similar moment uh, when I first worked with John Wright. Yeah. Uh, when we were studying. And I've mentioned it before, he he opened up a way of looking at performing and, and making theatre that was completely mind-blowing to me. I, yeah. I had no idea that that was possible. Could we jump forward a little bit to when you and I, you and I first met? We met yeah. in London, I realised. I looked, I looked this up. We met in 1994, I think, in London. You had come to study with Philippe Gollier. How did you hear about Philippe and his school? Well, um, as one, one of the people that I... I've worked with is is an Argentinian clown called Gabriel Tamé, Buendía, that, funnily enough, worked with John Wright and Carla in a show, and uh, I think Steve Harper took off the part of Gabriel Tamé later on, I think, and uh, and I did a, a clown workshop with him, and he told me, you would love Philippe Collier, and Philippe Collier would like you. So as I was doing my kind of degree in drama in Seville, I thought, I'm going to go to London. I'm going to study with Philippe because might as well. And, um, and I arrived to... No, I, I, my memory is also when you arrived, you had very little English. I had no English. <laughs> it was... Oh, my God. I, it's so funny, this thing of... People says idiots, but you know, I was an idiot. I was just thinking, 
oh no, I study English all my life in high school. I'm sure it cannot be so complicated. <laughs> and I do remember arriving to London <laughs> and staying of all places in New Malden. In New Malden. I was living in New Malden for four months or five months. Oh my God. What a terrible place to live. And um, because I decided to go to I decided to go to London eight months earlier than the school started. So I could practice a little bit of English. And but I didn't know anything. And I think when we met, we had already started the school of Philip. And we went to do that audition for for Gargoyle Theatre. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing you it may have been exactly around that time doing an improvisation where you played a barber you were cutting someone's hair and i didn't understand a word a word you were saying but i remember steve and me and a group of people in absolute hysterics as you play and i had no idea what you were saying and then we talked uh, you know through some somebody else in the pub um and then i remember a friend of ours, of mine at the time, was directing, going to direct A Servant of Two Masters at the Sheffield Crucible Theatre, Roxana Silbert. And I was playing Truffle Dino and, and doing, directing the movement, as you remember. And she asked me to, if there was anyone I could recommend for one of the smaller servant parts. And I said, well, I've just met this fantastic Basque uh, performer who's at Philippe Gollier and I, uh, I think he'd be perfect. And obviously Roxana spoke Spanish, so that was good as the director. She said, um, how can I meet him? Where is his agent? I said, he works making coffees in King's, <laughs> it's King's Cross Station. So some, some directors at that point might have gone, might have gone, no, thank you. But That's Roxana true. said, OK, I'll go and meet him. So I told you she was coming and she came and met you. And, yeah. And, oh, what, was that, what was that meeting like with her in King's Cross Station? Well, she was brilliant because we just, spoke in Spanish and um, she just, I don't remember exactly what we said. It's, it's a little, everything is a little bit blurry. I mean, the things in my head are more like telling to my partner saying, uh, on Monday, I'm going to live in Sheffield. <laughs> like, like I said, I'm going to Sheffield. And did you, did you know where Sheffield was? Not at all. No, 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 I didn't. No, I didn't know anything about anything of, of England. And I remember, um, Getting the bus, I think. I also remember when we had that wonderful time in Sheffield with Hayley and Cal and yeah. Jason and Steve. Wonderful cast, Paul Baisley. Yeah. And I, and I remember you had um, digs with the landlord and landlady who really looked after you. They You got on very well with them, I seem to remember. We had such a brilliant time. And I, I don't even remember their names, but it's because my memory is really bad. But they took me to see a football match with... Um, Sheffield Wednesday against Manchester United. I still remember um, it was a draw. <laughs> and all my friends here in Spain laugh at me saying, of course they took you. It was the year that Cantona was not playing. <laughs> Nobody was going to Now, I remember, there's one other thing about that time I wanted to, to get your um, memory on. I may have remembered this differently, so... It, uh, it's a bit like your uh, Bunuel says, you know, we, we remember things in different ways and our own memories you can't rely on. I have a memory of a rehearsal one day in the rehearsal room and out of the window of the rehearsal room across the road, you could see the cinema, 
and over yeah. the road from the rehearsal. And I remember we were rehearsing and the stage manager used to put outside the door the times when you were called for your scenes as an actor. So you would check, before mobile phones, you'd check when you were called. And I was in the middle of a scene and then you were, should have come on in that moment, but you didn't come on. And I remember Roxana saying, where is Itor? And we all went, oh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. And then someone said, oh, maybe he doesn't quite understand <laughs> the, uh, the call system. And I think Roxana sent the stage manager to find you. Where, where were you? Can you remember this story? It ended with you having a big conversation of Spanish in the rehearsal with Roxana. I don't remember, but I, if, if I wasn't there, probably, I mean, I remember once Joey, Moraes and me went to see Braveheart in the morning. So maybe, <laughs> maybe it was a day. And I remember the three of us, we just, we just cried so much watching the movie. And I just remember the three of us coming into rehearsals with our eyes completely red because we had been crying watching Braveheart. No, it was a great time and it was a great time to, to kind of be together making something. Uh, on the subject of dinner, you've mentioned this. Obviously, we've gone on to do lots of things together. But one uh, if, if time that feels very special to me was when you invited me to direct a show for you in Bilbao uh, with uh, two of your colleagues. And I came out, I came out, this 20 years ago now, I came out for two, two months and we remember that. And you mentioned your mother the other day because I can safely say your mother has cooked some of the best food I have ever eaten. I'm going to tell her. And it's something that you've introduced to me, certainly. One thing is a love of uh, Basque food, which is, is clearly extraordinary. But I remember one occasion when my then very early relationship with Sarah Jane, she came out to see the show. And you said, oh, we're all going back to my mother's after the show. And it was about midnight. Yeah. And I thought, oh, there'll be some sandwiches. Your mother cooked food yeah. and we didn't leave the table till three o'clock in the morning. I know. It's true, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot, Ito now. What is the best dish that your mother your mother cooks? Probably is uh, uh, caught with a Vizcaina sauce. But my favorite dish is Spanish omelette. Uh Yes, a classic. Of the one that she cooks. Yeah, because it, I think we all have this kind of thing that when it's cooked by your mom, it does the flavor that you never forget. Yeah. So, and, and um, you, you, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you think, I cooked a tortilla last night and it's obviously nowhere near what your mom can cook. Yeah. But you think it's deceptively simple, but it's also complex. So difficult. You know, kind of making a metaphor with our work. It, cooking has something that is very much related to in the moment very often. Do you know what I'm yes. saying? It's about yes. being in the moment. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and one second more, one second less. And it's one of those things that you say, oh, this omelette is not very good. Yeah. Let's hope for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you're right, let's forget about the one that has gone. There is nothing we can do about the one that has gone. Exactly. Is that belongs to the past? We, I, I always like to say that our profession is about in the moment, and and also that was one of the my favorite things of um, playing the servant of two masters with you and all that gang. It was that 
it was so brilliant to be on the stage. That feeling of of a community of people, of people creating something together. Uh, it was just so much yeah. fun, so much fun. Talking about people making something together, most people who listen to this, I think, who know you, will know your work through the brilliant and extraordinarily funny Spy Monkey, of which you are obviously a core member, co-founder. Tell me, how did you meet the other Spy Monkey gang? How did you all meet? We, we met, um, I met Toby in 1990 in Madrid doing a clown workshop. We, we, didn't, we didn't understand each other's um, with, with words because I didn't speak in English. He didn't speak in Spanish either. So, but we play and we had a, we had a good time. And, uh, and one of the, the, the friends of Toby, uh, when I was in London in the school, he came to the school and, um, oh, Toby's in London. Yeah. So I, I hook up with Toby again. And he was at the time being the artistic director of this Swiss company, uh, street theater and outdoors theater called, uh, Carl's Kuhn And they did this big audition in London and, uh, Toby invited me, Petra, many other actors. And uh, the person that got the job was Petra. They never did the show that we auditioned for. And later in the year, they did another show and they hired lots of German actors. They started to rehearse and the director hated the actors they hired. So they fired all of them and they look at the videos of the audition they did in London. And uh, exactly like with Roxanne and with you, someone called me late one Friday and say, can you be on Monday in Zurich to work in a, in a new show? Say, okay. So I went to live in Switzerland for, for one year. And at the show, it was Petra and Toby. And, um, and the show that we did was bad, but we had a wonderful time playing together. And with, with Petra Toby and a Swiss actor, we created Spy Monkey, Steve, when we did the first show, Steve, with Karl McChrystal. The, the Swiss actor wanted to leave the company because he had his own company in Switzerland. And I remember asking people in, in London uh, for a funny German. And uh, <laughs> I think we always, we, all, we always remember that it was you, Paul, telling us well, I know one that did a show with Rob Fertel. He was funny. Yeah. Penny so, Dreadful. Yeah. Yes. And uh, we brought Stefan from, from Austria, where he lives, and we played with him for one day, and we laughed so much that we say, yeah, come on. And he learned the part of, of the Swiss actor, and we went to Edinburgh. And the rest is history. Um, the four of you have, a, have an extraordinary chemistry. Yeah. an extraordinary chemistry and and I can remember many occasions when I have been unable to I've wanted to stop laughing because it was hurting but I, I I want something to happen again I remember one example of when Stefan in your show Moby Dick has got the big shoes on and he's trying to get up the stairs onto the next level something as simple as that and I wasn't alone that the whole of the uh, uh the lyric Hammersmith wanted him to do it again and it was just delightful you also obviously have a reputation for being quite outrageous in your shows obviously all of you and that's yes. a part of what you do is there anything that you've done on stage in a spy monkey show 
or indeed any other show, that you have regretted? Well, regret, regret. <laughs> Too strong a word. Well, no. No, because I tell you why I learned so much of the ones I have regret and that I could regret of. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it in English, but um, I learned so much of all the things that now I could think, oh, I regret. So in a way, no, no, no. No. Not really. I was also fascinated by the time, intrigued in a way, by the time when you all went off to join Cirque du Soleil in, in Las Vegas, which was an extraordinary, must have been, and the stories you tell, of yeah. an extraordinary time in your life. And um, is there, I'm sure you, you met many celebrities, is there one celebrity that you had the biggest impact on you, that you met while you were there? No, really. There was I, no I one mean, who came backstage that you would think, oh my God, I'm go about to meet... Yes, but you see, uh, with all the, how can I say this? Um, with all these celebrities, they are, they are just industry celebrities. You know, I, I kind of, I still feel quite intimidated um, by people that perhaps are not celebrities, let's say, like, um, I don't know, like Philippe Collier, because speaks to, well, it is important for me, uh, or Simon, or Simon McBurney, or artists who I really yeah, yeah. respect, you know, or John Wright, people who have... Uh, because I met Queen Latifah, and she was very nice. Beth Midler was uh, delightful. <laughs> uh, they, they were really brief, brief encounters, you know what I'm saying? We, we did not really sat and talk. You didn't stay in touch with Beth Midler? <laughs> no. No. You would be very good together. Oh, I would love to play with her any time. Now, I talk. Yeah, just tell me, Paul. Um, now, I'm just got, I want to, I'm going to say uh, a few things here as we come towards the end, I talk. Before I do that, is there anything you might want to plug? Well, I'm so happy you asked me because, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and let's. Let's make sure that this doesn't sound prepared. Absolutely. Okay? No, absolutely. We, are, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we, are, we are running a webinar with our lovely set and costume designer, Lucy Bradridge, about how does she work and, and, um, and she's going to tell us uh, all her secrets, the secrets of her craft, which is an amazing collaborator of Spy Monkey and she adds beautiful layers to stupidity that we and mayhem that we create and it's happening next thursday uh at four o'clock i think so uh, just just go to the spy monkey web page or facebook page and come come because it's going to be so brilliant it will be brilliant, very I, uh, she is and i remember lucy you, that's all fine i remember uh, working with lucy when we worked at uh, northampton on the fado fast every last trick um yeah. and she came up with some brilliant visual surprises for us now i i'm going to say some things and i want you to answer immediately you hear the end of what i've said you it'll be clear what i'm doing okay okay are you, are you ready okay the french house or the coach and horses french house barcelona or madrid madrid 
Jerry Lewis or Jim Carrey? Oh, Jim Carrey. Fish and chips or steak and kidney pie? Fish and chips. The Lindy Hop or the Jive? The Jive. Sawing someone in half or pulling a rabbit out of a hat? Sawing someone in half. Well, <laughs> I thought... That's just because I've done it. You have done it. And, you've, and also, you have pulled many rabbits out of many hats. Um, it's interesting, at the beginning, you said, oh, I, I, was, a, I was a very bad actor. Uh, I think you're not only a brilliant clown, but having directed you in serious things like Brett, yeah. I think you're a wonderful actor. And like all great clowns, you have the ability to be wonderful in drama. Thank you very much for chatting. And I will see you at some point between 12 and 3 one I day. For glasses of wine, I promise I you. So. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Paul. It was really good fun and very nice to see you. And um, I was going to say that um, it's funny because the last time we played together at the um, Royal Shakespeare Company with the Three Musketeers, it was so brilliant, you know, and I think it's, you kind of make me, help me to work very well, you as a director, because I, I, I have memory of that uh, scene we did with Cine. Oh. It was so brilliant. I had so much fun. Well, you, you and Sinead Matthews, when when you were the guard, the very the very religious guard, the very, very religious guard trying to be seduced, Felton. being yes, being seduced by her to the soundtrack of Barbara Streisand singing. My make me a lady. Yeah, amazing. That is yeah. a brilliant memory to end on. I talk. Take care. Give my love to your family. I will. Take care. Ito. Same to you. Cheers. I talk. Bye bye. Bye bye.